Hi guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, the future is lily white. Come on, your spurs. Hello, and welcome to Echoes of Glory, season 12, episode 23. I'm at ASD. I'm Jack. I'm Rob. And here we are. It does feel like an end of season sort of show. We've, we've crashed out the cups over the last two weeks. Um, but before we get into all that and the misery and the sadness and actually there's some positivity in there, I wanted to ask you two, what situation would we have to be in at the end of the season? Game 38 is done and dusted. Where we go, Conte and he's the man to keep us going. It is. That is it's such a great question, ASD. And, but you know what? For me, it's not about where we finish in the league it's the it's the feeling which is probably a terrible answer because there isn't a number right it'd be easy to sit here and say if we finished fourth I'm fine with it but we could finish second and go on this amazing run but if I don't feel any different um then I, I can't see I, I can't see a world where I am I am particularly Conte in for next season to be totally honest with you um, it, I think for me it would take something drastic, which is never going to happen. Like him coming out and saying, "I know that my behaviour and you know what I've said in the media towards the club hasn't been right." Blah blah, and I'd, and he'd have to make some proper tactical adjustments in the last ten games, and we'd have to see a real change in him and a change in the way the team are at least attempting to to set out in games. Well, we know it's never going to happen, right? This is a guy that's been in management long enough and he never, never, ever changes. Um, so I, I can't see a world where it does happen. But I think it, there would have to be those absolutely drastic changes. Even if we didn't finish in the top four, if all of that happened, I think I'd be open to Conte next season. But having said all of that, even with all those drastic changes, I still don't know if I would be pro him doing another year or two years or whatever it is. Yeah, I agree. It is a great question. I I think that uh, I agree with all of that. And also, there's a part of me that just wants for the club to feel like it's connected, that it's connected to the fans and that the club itself, the management team and the players are all pulling in the same direction and that we're all clear about what we're, what we're trying to do. Like he, he comes on in his press conferences and he talks about step-by-step and patience and progress and the club has made no progress at all um the champions league he admitted himself that the fact that they achieved that last year was a miracle so they haven't made any progress i'm not really clear what the direction of the club actually is are they are they a club that's trying to buy experienced players to knock a trophy over in next season are they trying to build a sustainable model where they're bringing the best kids in through the academy and into the first team through player trades and stuff and they're gonna um they're gonna play this young exciting football and they're just you know that we're, we're clear what the next 10 years of the club is a bit like a bit like arsenal and a bit like liverpool maybe five or six years ago and um, um, just for it all to, all to feel connected i'd love to see them finish top four because i was at, i was at the game on wednesday and when they play that music and everything like there is nothing like it um and so i'm going to really miss not being a part of that if they don't make it this season but he's got it's just got to feel like we're all pulling in the same direction yeah so about you asd what do you think it's you know, there's a quote, like, I don't know who it's from, but it says, when someone shows you who they are, 
believe him. And we know what he's going to come with. For me, if he, it's sort of bits of what you two have said, the, the tactical thing, if he stopped making all the creativity come from our fullbacks, if he started playing mm. four at the back or four, two, three, one, or just something different, if he had, if he showed some flexibility in his approach, mm. that's point one. Point two is his, I'm sick of this project being around the corner. It's never going to come what he's promising, never going to come. And he's been really lucky in what he's done before. Like when he won the league with Chelsea, they weren't in Europe. He won a, he spent a huge amount of games. They didn't, I mean, they, they beat us to second place, which kind of shows you the state of the league at that point. Um, all the other clubs outside of us, like City, United, Liverpool, I think we're in rebuild mode. Got quite lucky with injuries. And we were in Europe and we had injuries. And he just spent a lot of money and won the league with nothing else to worry about. Same with Inter. Like, one year, spent loads of money. Juve were dropping off. He just did the same. And there's a point on... I don't know what he is elite at and I don't know what this great promise is. And I'm sick of it being 18 months. It's 18 months away now because he, he hasn't been here for six months of last season. hasn't been here for this year. What, what is this promise? Because it's not going to be this five at the back wing backs thing. That's not the project. Is this just survival? Uh, is this just surviving with the team? He's got the, This team is, is doing really badly and he's in fourth. Why can't he get as high? Why can't he shows some flexibility. Why can't he apply great management to what he's got rather than trying to build into this thing which doesn't feel like it's ever going to exist? So if I, he, if I was going to be Conte and I would want him to say, show some flexibility tactically and almost emotionally now he manages himself and the players, with, things like that. With, with the team at the moment, the team that they've got, including the players that are out injured, you're mm. either in fourth, they've not really played well other than in a handful of games this season, do you think they're over, they're overachieving being in fourth, or they're underachieving? I don't yeah. think they're either. I, I, I think I think be. I think we're about where we should be. I think the last three or four years we've had a squad that should be finishing probably between third and sixth, and depending on if you hit form at the right time and how you do in key games, you can finish anywhere. And I, and I think we're about the same. Um, so I think I think I've always I've said all along with Conte if he has these two seasons and he gets fourth in both he's done a good job not done an amazing job not done a terrible job done a good job he's he probably hit the brief that he was brought in to do a trophy would have probably been been him going above and beyond what they expected but i imagine the brief was we want champions league football as and and that's the, that's the objective um i've just pulled up as well the team that he had at chelsea when he won the league in 16-17, right? And obviously, tactically, nothing has changed. We're, we're, we're six seasons on, and he has not changed tactically whatsoever. But if you just look at the players in that side, like that is a team that is almost tailor-made for that system. Yeah. So you're talking, he had Courtois in goal, top, top goalkeeper. His three centre-backs from right to left were Azpilicueta, David Luiz and Cahill. And again, if you're thinking about balancing a back three, that is absolutely perfect, right? You've basically got a right back plan as your right-sided centre half, comfortable going out in you know the full-back areas. Louise was a brilliant player on the ball, a little bit suspect defensively, but again a back three protects him. And Gary Cahill, probably the last remaining old-school centre half there was. Then his midfield, he had Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso as his wing backs. Again, two players like 
physically tailor-made for that type of system. Great legs, can cover huge amounts of grounds, good in the final third, good defensively, and really, really good balance. His central midfielders were Kante and Matic. Like, this is when Kante was at the absolute peak, right? He won two titles with two different teams in consecutive seasons. Like, he was the best central midfielder for those couple of seasons about... But like it's incredibly defensive. But the difference is, is, you know, he had Diego Costa, Hazard and Pedro up top. And ultimately, if you're looking at the spine of that team, it's incredibly strong. But I think really looking at that, like that, that's seven seasons ago. And he's basically just trying to recreate that with slightly lesser players in probably eight or nine of those positions in this current Spurs team. So it's like it, that doesn't show someone that's, moved with the times, adapted. I'm sure we could. I could do the same quick analysis with Mourinho and with loads of these old school managers now that are slowly fading out of the game. But seven seasons ago, do you know what I mean? We're not talking two or three. Like that is nearly, it's not far off a decade ago that he was doing this. You make a really good point about elite management and what does it mean to have an elite manager? And to, to my mind, it means one of two things, or unless you're Guardiola, both but let's just say that he's completely unique if a the team is going to be coached so well that the quality of football that they're playing is just superb right which is kind of a little bit what Arteta's gone and done at Arsenal he's coached and coached and coached and coached and coached those young those young lads and I think as much as it hates us to say it we hopefully would agree they are playing outstanding like they are really really playing playing well and or it's going to be a bit more of an experienced dogged team, which is, I think is what we have at the moment. And then elite coaching, elite management means that in must win moments, pressure moments, when it's really up against you, he's got into the mindset of those players and there is a no surrender attitude in those players and they get through games and their mentality is second to none. And the thing that upset me most on Wednesday is it was the last must win game that we really have this season, unless we end up going down to the wire for top four or something. And it was the mentality that the, they, they they looked like, and I'm sure they did, but they looked like they didn't want it. They looked like they just sort of buckled under it a little bit. Didn't really have any ideas. And I know he's been off and he's been away and whatever, but that's about coaching. That's about getting into the minds of the players. So he hasn't moved them forward tactically. He's been dogmatic in his tactics for with, a, as you say, Jack, a team of lads that aren't really suited to play it. He hasn't improved the way that they play or any of the players on the ball really at all, I don't think. Yeah. Maybe Emerson. But what I see in Emerson is he's sort of done that himself. Um, and the mentality doesn't really... I mean, are they really any better off than they were when Nuno was there? They look the same to me. Yeah. So, so we've paid him 15 million quid for what? I don't really know what we. I don't know what we've got out of that. The thing that I've struggled with with him is in an, and I, I like it with what we do on this pod where we compare football to you know everyday jobs. And I think anybody going into any type of business in any industry, if you've got a team, surely the first thing you do is you figure out right what have I got here and what's the most effective way of getting the most out of this group. And he just doesn't do that. He goes in and he's like, these are the ideas. This is what we do. I don't deviate. And we've still not got the players to play that type of system. Like, listen to those names that I've just reeled off there from that Chelsea side. Like, we don't have those profile of players in our team whatsoever. So I just still can't get round, I can't get my head around the fact that he hasn't adapted whatsoever 
um, in his style and his tactics. It's just the same thing that he was churning out, albeit extremely successfully, seven seasons ago with a less with a lesser group. I, I, ju- I just don't understand it. And Wednesday for me was I couldn't believe what I was watching to be honest with you. Um, I was a little bit more, I understood the first half, us being a bit cautious. I know away goals are not a thing anymore, but it was very much, if if you go a goal down, you're going to need three to, to win to win the game anyway. Two, obviously, to take it into extra time. And like, that's, that's a big task in a Champions League knockout game. So I understood first 45, maybe being, let's be solid and, you know, see what they do. But the second half, my word, like... There was a lack of intensity. There was a real lack of quality. I did think that Milan, there are a couple of standout performers defensively from Milan. I thought Hernandez at left back, what a player. And I was watching him thinking, if we had him in our side, that would absolutely transform us. And Tamori as well. How? I mean, that's the first 90 minutes I've seen Tamori have for a, a, a number of seasons at Chelsea. But just on that performance, how that guy can't get in the England squad just... I find that incredible. Um, but to not really have any opportunities until Kane's header in second half injury time. And that was a, a good save from the keeper, but it was hardly an absolute clear cut. Um, but um, the, I mean, the obvious thing to talk about is the substitution, right? With Was it 12 minutes to go and taking Kulusevski off and bringing Davinson Sanchez on? What, what, what did you make of that when that happened? On the one hand, I sort of understood it because he's thinking I'm still in the game and if we equalise we're going to extra time and I want I want I want to keep forward at back. So on the one hand I could understand what he was doing. But we were nowhere in that game. I mean we it's not like we were absolutely like all over them and it was just a you know, we, we the, the, they were hanging on. They weren't hanging on. They weren't. They they'd figured us out, were sitting deep, eight behind the ball. And they never looked under any pressure at all. So why on earth? You got five substitutions, put another attacker on. If we equalise, make another one. Yeah, like, that, that, and that, that's what I didn't get. And I was very much like, sometimes in games, you've just, especially like, we needed to score, right, in those final 10 minutes. No matter what happened, like, we have to score a goal, otherwise we're out. Um, I get we went down to 10 minutes, but he already had Longland Davis on the pitch. So you've already got two centre-halves. And it's like, the way we were playing, like Milan weren't even counter-attacking. They were just sitting on the edge of their box and saying, come and break us down, which we struggled to do the whole 90. But those last 10 minutes, I just couldn't believe it because I was like, you've got Skip and you've got um, Hoybier. So one of them naturally is going to come deep. So you've got your back free, really. And you like, sure, just throw caution to the wind. And like you say, Rob, get the equaliser and then chuck Sanchez on and go right four at the back. And now we'll, you know, we'll see what we can do in extra see time. See the game out. I just, I did not understand. I, I, that That is one of the most baffling things I've ever seen. And think back to United under Ferguson, right? How many times did they score late goals? And if you actually look at the personnel on the pitch and the formations, there is no formation. You've just got seven attackers on and you're throwing bodies forward. If you put an extra body in the box, then they've got to do the same thing. And if you do that long enough and keep, you know, moving the ball and creating, much greater chance of winning. I, I just could not believe what I saw. It was, it seemed, it honestly, it was like the guy had never managed a game of football before. I, ju- I just did not understand it. His argument will be that Richarlison was playing deep and so it allowed Richarlison to go forward. Now, my, my argument will be, well, why was Richarlison playing deep? Because we might as well lose 2-0 as 1-0. Exactly, exactly. 
you'd rather flood everyone in the box and in the 88th minute they break and they score because they've got an overload because you've thrown them for like that would have been gutting but at least it's like well we're going for it and I just got the impression he was happy to not lose the game on the night like that that was and have you seen the footage of Ryan Mason when Sanchez <laughs> is coming on he's just like what yeah like, you know Shrug, and that I mean that's very telling yeah that's very very telling the, the other thing like they were sorry actually they were they were sitting deep they had eight they had seven or eight players beyond the ball pretty much the entire game. They had more shots than us in the game, 14 versus our nine. They had more shots on target than us in the game. We had two. They had three. They had more shots off target than us. Like, if if you looked at the if you looked at the stats of the game and then I asked, I, you hadn't seen the game, and I was like, how do you think this game went? You'd, you'd think that it was fairly even and Milan was slightly on top. A couple of other things about the players as well that I thought their keeper was great. Yeah, I yeah. really like their keeper. His distribution. He's a real, you know, a, a modern goalkeeper. Spent more time outside the box almost than he did in it. Yeah. And his, his distribution from hand and foot demonstrated how, like, what a a twelfth player that yeah. that can be for you if you get it right. Yeah. So there were moments, they, weren't there, Rob, where their their two centre backs got? And he was like a third centre half. Yeah, he was. It was incredible. Was. Absolutely they incredible. Could, they could it's do a lot Mike worse Maitland, than go. He's really good. Player. They could he's do a lot worse than go and get him. I tell you, we, really good. He's going to be the French keeper now. It, mm. Hugo, Hugh, he's replacing Hugo. And like we were blessed because he was injured for the first game, I think. Mm. I did look at a few of their defensive players with Envy, and I was like, you got to keep. He got Tamori, got Hernandez. I was like, oh, those three. I tell you what, we, you know, that just absolutely transforms our side. Those three players. It was never yeah. going to happen, but they and were. Tanoli as well. Tanoli just purred his way through the yeah. game. Just literally never got out of third gear. But we put any of them in our team, they're still subject to the setup that we've got, which just yeah. wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. that that is the problem. Um. This is the annoying thing. When you read out that Chelsea, I'm darting back a little bit. When you read that Chelsea team out and you go, mm. Victor Moses, who was playing up, he scored against us in that season, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, sure. he had a great season, didn't he? Yeah. He hasn't done that with any players. That's that's what annoys me about that single team. Because Kante, I think he won player of the season for, or players yeah. player of the season, whatever he won. They, he also on... had Fab, they also had Fabregas as an option off the bench. Do you know what I mean? And Williams, so they, had, they had quality and depth well, as well in that side. Hazard, Hazard was unbelievable that season. Yeah. What a player he was. And the, the reason that we're doing so well is because that squad is mid-table or upper mid-table with Harry Kane overperforming and dragging everyone with him. That is what is happening. It's what's happened season after season. It speaks to the way Spurs play of just when you've got someone amazing, you don't build to support, you build to drain. It's an investor mindset rather than a, a nurturing mindset and a, a success mindset and it, it kills me and then that AC Milan game what when I say Spurs in the Champions League what's your first memory of it of Spurs in the Champions League right first, the game, first against... game the first the young boys game the young boys game were, you, yeah. were we all there we, we hammered them at home didn't we could we crouch score a hat trick maybe and we just absolutely annihilated a handball goal yeah um because we were we scored two, didn't we? At their place, Pad yeah. scores. We were what three two down or four. Yeah, we down. were we were three nil down in that game. Yeah, yeah. And then we came Hassan back. Score. Didn't we? Hassan and then Pavlyuchenko right at the end of the game made it three two, and it was like right. Do you remember yeah, we got a when the Champions League first came on? The further music first came on, and the feeling that you got. I looked around White Hart Lane as well, and every you could see the the, the lights on everyone's phones where everyone was recording it because it was I like was you know it. we're here. 
I was West Upper, literally next to their fans. Someone tried, someone um, literally reached over to grab my hat and an armed guard stopped him, like stabbed his hand away. Um, I had Adidas trainers that had like netting down the side so that I had holes in them and it was pissing down that day, if you remember. And me and I was with Don um, and danced back, danced down Tottenham High Road because it was amazing. That excitement that we felt. Mm. And then beating AC Milan, like that was the loudest I ever heard. White Hart Lane, you know, and I would give every game I've been to to have been at that Inter Milan game. None of that, none of that was happening on Wednesday. The players didn't look bothered. The manager didn't look bothered. The fans, not having to go at the fans, they're pissed off because this is Tottenham Hotspur in the Champions League and we only need a goal against Ace Milan. Just give everything. Run. Just run a bit. Look, look I do think there's, there's been a bit made, isn't there, the, the lack of atmosphere in the new ground. But I think that the fans feed off the players and the players feed off the fans. And it's like, as fans, you go, they'll be like, right, we're going to create an atmosphere. And then like, if in the first five minutes, like, there's sloppiness from players or like you can just see it's going on those afternoons, it's difficult as a fan to get yourself motivated. And then obviously that doesn't help the players. No. It's like, I don't think we go into many games at home now with that much belief that like, we're going to play well and we're going to win. Whereas, again, if you think back to the old White Hart Lane or do you know, even the early, like that first game we had there against Palace in the Champions League nights when we had Poch, like there was in, there's been an absolutely incredible atmosphere in that new stadium. But it goes hand in hand with what the fans are seeing on the pitch as well. Because if you're seeing rubbish negative football, how like you can't really get behind it that much. First half are always so boring, aren't they? As well, there's like no goals in the first half ever. I know they got yeah. two this week, but you just got nothing to get after it for, have you? It's yeah. um dull. It's like, ASD, you were saying a minute ago about Kane overperforming. He's only got eight fewer goals than Haaland this season. Haaland's got 28 league goals, and Kane's got 20. Got 20, 20. in what? I mean, I can't see what the average team possession is, but it like we must have one of the the lowest of the top sort of seven or eight in the Premier League. So for him to be doing that in a side that doesn't have the ball 70% of the time, like most of the other sides do, it's he's having an absolutely incredible season, Kane. Mm. What a man. Um, I mean, Salah and Son finished with 23 as a top scorer. Kane could do that next week. He's, he, what, a, what a season he's had. How many do you reckon Haaland's going to get? 28 goals he's on. And was there 10 game, ten or 11 games to go? Do you reckon he'll get 40? Or just yeah. short? 35. There was a time yeah. when he was doing hat-tricks every game and people have sort of worked him out a little bit, haven't they? He only um, needs, though, like two more of those games where he gets do you know, I mean, a couple of hat-tricks and then he's into the mid-30s and then it's like, actually, that could be very doable. It's scary, isn't it? Um, Who have they got? Let's see. Have they got to play Nottingham Forest soon? They've or got Burnley. Or... They've got Liverpool soon, Southampton. They'll smash Southampton, loads past Southampton, yeah. and maybe Leicester. Fulham, they've got Leeds, Everton. He could, he could. Wouldn't it be incredible if he got 40? Like, that would just be like, you'd never think you'd ever see that. I think he could go north of 40. The um, unstoppable. I've, I've always had this thing that we're, we've never been that good in the Champions League. Like, the we had an amazing first run, then we, we didn't. Then we, we were out of it for a bit. The season we got to the final. We only just got through the group stage. And I mean, scraped through by the tightest of margins. Yeah. Atted Dortmund, scraped through against City by the finest of margins. And then uh, Ajax was Ajax. Was just Apart from the Dortmund game, we could have gone out at every single stage every and we minute. couldn't have moaned. We no. could, like, if we'd have gone out in the group stage, we couldn't have been like, oh, we were unlucky. It'd have been like, we didn't deserve to go through. 
Yeah. And like, that was and, the case in every round apart from Dortmund. And it happened here. Like, look, we, we beat Marseille 2-0, didn't we? And then that last game was mad. The the memory of this Champions League was is Hoiberg's goal, right? And yeah, it might have to be. Away. Yeah, and it might have to be Richarlison's two goals because they might be the only ones he scores all season. Um, <laughs> bless him. Uh, uh, it's just disappointing. I, I hated it. It made me so angry because after sacrificing the FA Cup, then losing in the Premier League, then losing the Champions League, just makes you think, what what are they playing? And not at? scoring either in any of those games. Pathetic. And they looked average as well. Like their centre forward looked pretty. Like they had some good players. Don't get me wrong, players that would improve our team. But you know. Milan. Yeah. they'll get they'll they'll get battered Milan if they have an elite opposition. Yeah. If they like played they, City they looked, or Madrid or Bayern, like they're gone. They look beatable to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we had the best draw going into it, and we we just failed. Uh, quickly on Forest, I mean, it was expected. I thought it was really harsh on Richarlison. Like, there's got that. That's not football. I thought that was really, really, really harsh. And I thought he had a Awful. great game. He had a top game, and I don't know whether that. I thought the press conference Conte did was brilliant. What he said, like just having a go at Richarlison a little bit. I think you've got to. Do that a little bit. Uh, it sounds like Richardson um, apologised, but he handled the, game, he handled it really he handled it really well. Conte didn't he? I have to say, you know, coming out and saying, yeah, I'm not surprised he said that his season's shit. It oh. has been shit. He's been yeah, injured yeah. and scored no goals. Um, he did he did play well yesterday, Richardson. And but I was I was anno- I was annoyed yesterday <laughs> because not because I'm super negative about the team. But because, of course, they turned up and pressured the ball in the first half. And, of course, they were high tempo and of course, against Forest at home. You know, of course they were, because there's no pressure in that game. No problem. And you know what? If that penalty had gone in at the end, they'd have been hanging on. So I was really pleased with the performance. And top four is definitely still on for them, isn't it? Like a game a week that suits the way Conte manages. If, if he is going to stick around and be somewhat engaged with his payouts at the end of the season... I mean, it's, it is still there for them if they if they want to get their head down and get after it. But why couldn't they play like that on Wednesday? I'm with, I'm with, I'm with Rob on it. That I'm obviously really happy with one. But this is a Forest team that has scored three goals away from home all season. So <laughs> you know, like you should you should be winning that that game at home. Like you really should be. But it felt. I mean, I, I, I listened to the commentary. It felt comfortable until the last ten minutes, and then all of a sudden it could have been a bit different. But um, he didn't cover himself in great glory on the goal we conceded, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the goalkeeping situation because I think if you looked at any other team in the Premier League, if you said to them your number one goalkeeper is going to be out for a couple of months, it would massively impact their form and results. And for us, it hasn't really. I think Forster's come in, he's done a, a really, really good job. Um but how telling is that? Like, and I don't hmm. think like that. That for me was a moment of bloody hell. Like, of years gone by, when you're thinking like Larice out the team and Volming goal, or you know, Gazaniga had that okay spell, didn't he, that time? But then all of a sudden he looked dodgy. We've not felt it, and that's our number one keeper and our captain, and our form has been probably even a little bit better since he's been out the side, which just goes to show really one. Is Fraser Forster a fantastic backup keeper and he's just been able to come in and it's been seamless? Or is it actually two? Hugo's levels have dropped so much that a pretty average Premier League keeper coming in, we can't really notice the difference between the two. Just what very, very telling and really highlights to me, as well as Forster's done, we've really got to go and get a good goalkeeper in the summer because that 
Like I think Forster is also probably overperforming at the moment. And I don't think if you had a full season of him, he would be doing as well as he is. So it just highlighted for me that, wow, Hugo, what's happened? I mean, one of my worries is how many players they've got to go and buy in the summer. You know, um, I think they need more than one keeper. And when you see an elite keeper, like we saw, or potentially elite keeper, like we saw on Wednesday, you realize, and he's quite a modern keeper, mm. you, you realize the gap and yeah. just how different it is. I mean, I think Foster's distribution has been better than Larice's. And he's six foot eight, isn't he? And he's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a big old lad. But I mean, he 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 changes the tempo of the game better than Luis does at this moment, I think. And I also like with him, Rob, mm. that when there's a bit of pressure, he don't take any risks whatsoever. He's not afraid to just go, Harry, where are you? Bang, sixty yards up the pitch. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we never see Hugo do that. No, I think he's done really well, but. I don't know how old he is. I'm guessing he's late thirties, mid to late thirties. Yeah. So yeah. they're gonna they're going to they're gonna need to get two goalkeepers in the summer, aren't they? Probably. Yeah. Unless yeah. Hugo's gonna be a backup, but his contract expires, doesn't it? So he's leaving. I think he's got he's got next season, I think, on his contract. But I'd I'd struggle to see Hugo from being, you know, from going from captain and a mainstay in the side to being number two, you know, it's quite a big shift for someone to make. But I don't know, maybe he would be willing to do that i don't know the only thing that worries me about the keeper situation is um i think at tottenham there are certain players that are club players um and obviously Kane. i think we've seen with son this season he's definitely a club player when in any other team he'd have probably been dropped yeah and he hasn't been dropped and i just fear that larice like dyer is a club player and if the club and Levy decide he's seeing his contract through at the end, it's part of the deal. And he sees his contract through at the end. There were loads of rumours that Mourinho wouldn't play Bale at the end there. And that was one of the big reasons why that all collapsed and he fell apart. And um, if, if, if Larice is one of Levy's boys, yeah. I don't think it's straightforward just to drop him unless he decides his, his levels aren't where they need to be. I don't know. That's obviously there's, there's total the speculation. For me, it's all the complication of he's, he's the captain as well, yeah. which does make it even more difficult. If he was if he was if he was just the goalkeeper, there's one thing, but the whole captaincy scenario then as well is a really big deal. So yeah, it's it just interesting for me, and I've just had a little look at our fixtures as well coming up because whilst I you know downplaying beating Forest because we should be winning that, it was a big result with Liverpool losing at Bournemouth. Yeah, massive. Liverpool have got Chelsea and City. The next two games, we've got Southampton and Everton. And United so drew today, didn't they, as well? Yeah. yeah. It's a really good opportunity. You know, we, our next two matches are sides that are fighting relegation. And then even after that, we've got Brighton, which will be a tricky game, and then Bournemouth. So three out of our next four are sides fighting for their lives at the bottom. So we've actually got an opportunity in the next four games before we have that week from hell in April, where we have Newcastle, Man United and Liverpool in seven days. We could actually open up a little bit of a gap between us and Liverpool if we perform in those next four. Um, so it's a really, really big opportunity for us to put continue the, the run that we're on in the league um, and, and create a bit of daylight between us and Liverpool. Newcastle have got Forest next at home and then they've got United as well. So I don't know why. I'm not, I'm not as worried about Newcastle. I just feel like they don't score enough goals mm. and they'll have too many draws. Yeah, they've only scored like, four, four fewer than Manchester United, though. 
But yeah, they they they're all about defence, aren't they? I I think we'll get top four. Liverpool are dreadful, like really dreadful. I don't know how they beat United. <laughs> they just have the ability, Liverpool though, don't they? To I still look at them and think they could win five in a row. Mm. And I, I I look at I don't feel like we could do that, even though we may well have done this season. I just I feel like at some point something will click with Liverpool. And they'll just go on and on. So they're they're the team that I'm the most worried about. And the fact we've got to go to Anfield, which is a, ga- a ground that we never get anything at, mm. um, that could end up being the, the decisive game, really. Things in football change so quickly, don't they? If we, if they, to your point, Jack, if they can get a bit of momentum, get some form, and actually be in form by the end of April, then who knows? Because mm. I mean, Anfield's always somewhere where Doctor Tottenham does make an appearance. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, it does. Um, but, you know, they've got Sun, they've got Kane, they've got Kulisewski, they've got Romero, they've got Hoiberg, who, when he gets his head down, but like, if, if they can get some momentum, get some form, and will they have any players back by then? Basuma isn't out. He's out for the season, isn't he? But Sessignon could be back by then, couldn't he? I don't know. I can't I remember so. when they're back. I but so. I, I just think they've they just, they just got to try and be in form for the middle mm. of April. Yeah, and the then, other side as well. The the other team that are they're in seventh at the moment. They're nine points behind us, but they've got three games in hand. A Brighton, Brighton, yeah. And if yeah. Brighton have two wins and a draw from those three games, they're right on top of us as well. And I'm not saying that Brighton will get top four, but those games in hand, if they do pick up those points, even if they have a win and two draws, they're only four points behind us. You know that they they could be in the mix as well. All, all in the season when they sold their best player as well. Mad, didn't it? And their manager left. Yep. Incredible. I was listening to a podcast and I can't remember who it was with, but they were talking about when Chris Coleman came in and they were planning for the season. So, and Chris Coleman would say, right, this is these are our games for April. How many points do you think we'll get out of these four games? Mm. And everyone would go nine. And he'd go, I've, I've budgeted for four. And then he he breaks it down. He's like, four this month, we'll get five that month. When you get to the end of the nine months, you've got 40 points. And he's like, we'll, we'll be mid-table with that amount of points. Or wh- whatever it was, but he's like, yeah. everyone overestimates how many points they're going to get because mm. it's a zero-sum game. And so I I think we're going to win more than that. Not I, I, I think we'll be comfortably top four by the end. Newcastle drop off. Brighton can't win all their games. United may be the ones we've got to worry about, but they're above us already. Liverpool will drop off. I'm, I'm feeling quite happy and confident right now i'm sort of not caring you know it's hard because it the lack of care it seems from the manager from the the team it's, it's quite hard to care as much as i yeah. it doesn't feel like they're fighting like you see when you have a look at that lot up the road they, they fight for it. it doesn't seem to be there i just feel like the next four games are huge for us because that that should be 12 points uh, a worst case scenario you're looking at nine or ten and I feel like if we could take 10 from the next four, so beat Southampton, beat Everton, draw with Brighton, beat Bournemouth. And I don't think that that's, I mean, it's anything that's slightly negative thinking like that. I think if we can do that, we're near enough there. Because we'd have to then absolutely fall apart in the last seven games, like lose probably four of those last seven. Well, none of them can afford to sit back. They have to go for it unless they... I mean, the first half of all those games are going to be terrible, right? Where they just sure. do not want to concede. Yeah, Sean, Sean Dyche is not going to go for it. You know, <laughs> absolutely no. They're going to wait for the set piece in the second half. So August the 12th then, who do you think will be in the dugout? You have to put money on it. 
Pochettino. I think it'll be Poch as well. And I, I think it's because Paratici will go as well. I yeah. think if Paratici yeah. stays, I don't think he will want Pochettino. I think he'll right. want someone else. Luis Enrique, isn't it? Is the one that's the one that everyone's got rumours about. But the odds are getting slowly, slowly more and more in favour of Pochettino. And I, I, I just think it has to be Pochettino. But I can't see how, Para, how Paratici's there at the start of next season either. With all, like, I, I, just, I don't see how that can happen. Like, because surely he's going to get found guilty of all of these things. Like, I, I don't understand how it will all just go away. Right. I, th- I think, firstly, that although everybody always talks about Levy was the one to bring Conte to Spurs, I think it, it's at least clear to me that Levy, uh, that uh, Conte and Paratici are intrinsically linked. They're joined at the hip. One, one feeds the other. Um, and I think that Ponte's engagement with the club started to go downhill almost exactly at the moment that it became apparent that Paratici had a problem long before the, the judgment came down about him. And then secondly, how on earth can he stay there if indeed he loses his appeal anyway from FIFA and the FA basically say that he can't hold the role that he has, he has to go. Um, and in that, if that happens, I guess, yeah, why not Pochettino? It won't be the same Pochettino this time, though, will it? It'll be a different Pochettino this time. Because those, those, it, it, it'll be Pochettino with these players. Yeah, I think you'll want to gut them and move them out. Mm. And, and move, move a lot of people out. There's a bit of me that just wants all of them out. Uh, just just restart. It's proper restart on FIFA time. I'm just bored of it now, <laughs> you know. Um there's obviously some positivity, but what I was going to finish the show with today is um, I watched a, a, a YouTube short and it was with Marcus Rashford and they had the Man United shirts and they were saying, right, who's a player that you think of, Ben? And we can't do that on audio for work. So I'm going to give you a name. Just tell me of a moment that you remember, ideally one that you saw live. So if I said bail, what would be your bail moment? There's so many to choose from. West Ham away. West Ham away, 25th of February 2013. It's my birthday. West Ham away. Were you there? I was not there, but I was in a house with six West Ham mates. Oh, it was so good. Oh, I'll never forget that. I was I literally through the ceiling. It was great. That, that, and you know the sun goal against Burnley. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Tongan Best goal got, I've ever seen. The Tongan got an assist for that. <laughs> And Carol got an assist for that bail. Rather than all this XG stuff, they need to do like XA or just be like the, yeah. an assist was putting you in a position to score, not give you the ball. You know, and they're the that's what makes me think of those, those that bail. Oh, that was a great game that one because we were one nil and two one down, weren't we? Joe Cole scored in that game. Yeah. That 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 performance for me was just the personification of scores when he wants. Yeah. He just. You know, I would, he, just, he was going to score. Cheers. He also scored a really good goal in the first half as well, Bow, where he received the ball in the half turn just outside the D and puts it bottom corner. But obviously that goal's never spoke about because the one in injury time is just what stuff dreams are made of. So like the Chadley goal in the 5-3 against Chelsea. Great goal. Yeah. You never never hear of it because it was yeah. when Kane came to run it. Jackie got a bail one. Um... I mean, I went I went straight to West Ham and then I went to the Inter hat-trick, obviously. But I guess it's just the carbon copy goals that he scored towards the end of that season are on the right, cut in, bang. And he did, he did about three or four of them, didn't he? Um, which was just 
incredible. And you had defenders showing him so much onto his right foot that they were almost standing next to him because they were so scared about him cutting inside. But yet he still managed to do it. So I think those goals, I think it was against Sunderland and Southampton right at the end of the season. They were both late on. They were just wow moments. I mean, there's been a few for Wales where he's made me quite emotional. Well, there's a goal against Swansea where Vertonghen lifted it over for him. I don't know why, I just always remembered it. It was just a yeah. great goal. There was one against West, um, West Brom away where he's in the half-black, half-grey kit. We just twatted it in. I think that was for us to win it. <laughs> that was, he scored yeah. when he wants. That was the game where the West Brom defender spat at Carl Walker, wasn't it? And got sent off and it was like the weirdest red card. Like, what are you doing? Was that um, the fellow who scored against us in the 9-1? Wasn't it him? Uh, for the Paul Sharna. Paul Sharna. But didn't he? Wasn't he went to West Brom, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did the Midlands tour, I think. He played <laughs> for a few. <laughs> Craig Dawson's done it as well, isn't he? Um, Roger Johnson. There's a few of those. You've got to be sort of an old school centre back journeyman, and you play for all the Midland sides. Go on and check. Give us a player. Uh, Jermaine Defoe. West Ham. The West Ham yeah. game where he took it on the half turn and then went and smacked it in. And then just because the West Ham fans would be giving him, yeah. giving it to him all the time. And uh, he just looked at, and he didn't even do anything. He just looked at them. Yeah. And it, that was, that was fantastic, that goal. Didn't he score four goals against Wigan, Wigan. once or something? He was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or five. It was five. Oh, he's, five. He's five yeah. Because yeah. I think he's talking with Andrew Cole. Yeah. It was just a, it was an absolute goal machine on the Defoe. Love him. He's just such him. an underrated player. Yeah, really is. So He's a quick. top boy as well, doesn't he? Mm. The one that I think of is the goal against Man City at home, where he drops the shoulder on company and bang, just rough. I think it was the three-one where we scored three goals yeah. in about fifteen minutes, and that goal was just like that was Defoe. Do you know what I mean half a yard bang back of the net? I used to love watching him play. I still think I've seen more goals from him than any other player. If I go through my, my little sheet. So, so underrated. That period where we had Defoe, Keane, Berbatov and albeit Darren Bent. But that was a great group of strikers we had there. And Pavlichenko came afterwards, didn't he? Was it that, mm. around that time? Yeah. He could hit a ball. We were so hard. Birmingham, yeah. he scored two against them to send them down the last day of the season. Mm. I remember Pav also scoring a free kick at home. I think it was in the Europa League where he just hit it literally at the keeper, but with so much power that it, or it you know, surprised didn't break the net. He was a really great finisher, Pavlichenko, but he, well, I mean, I, I wasn't his biggest fan. Let's leave it there. The, um, what I always remember with, I always just think of Andrea Sharvin when I think of Pavlichenko. Do you remember our Sharvin's website where you could just ask him questions? Do you remember that? Yeah. Where Rob, have you ever seen this? I haven't. <laughs> he talks. He was about, a weird guy as well, though, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he talks about like uh, I'm going to find them. Um, people just ask him random questions, like uh, Andre, you frightened the bears, and he said, on the contrary, I like bears. Um, Hi, Andre, <laughs> what order would you place the following animals: a tiger, a cow, a pig, a horse, and a sheep? And he said, a pig, it would always get the last place. A tiger, a cow, a horse, and a sheep, and I repeat. A pig is always the last one because it is a pig. It's just been like, how does stuff like that happen? It's just, yeah. you know what I mean? It's incredible. Um, the last one is like, we're on the advice section. Hello, Andre, I've been playing football 
half a year now, all this time I played in the field. Now I begin to wonder, maybe I should become a goalie. What would you recommend? Ita says to think about it. <laughs> he did go off on women and driving, which wasn't um, the best thing in the world. Go on, Rob, give us a player. Modric. Oh. Goal. Straight, straight away, I've gone to the, the... It wasn't associated with goals, but the Liverpool goal. You know, yep. he just comes onto it, edge of the box, bang, top corner. That was just after he tried to leave. And like I remember that moment being like, he's going to stay, play his whole career for us. It's going to be amazing. Inter Milan, didn't he score the first goal at home against Inter Milan as well? I think he did. No, he no, sorry. He passed Rafa, to Van der Vaart. He passed to Van der Vaart. Yeah. But Modric was just the feeling you got. You you got, you went. It's a bit like what you got with King. Very few players, you, you just feel, geez, he's, he's just a better footballer than everyone else. He's out just... Of, out of your seat. I remember him against the Arsenal. Was it the 3-3 against Arsenal? Was he playing that game? I can't remember. Yeah, him and I'm sure it was him. And I, that, I'm sure it was that game, that, that perform. I'm not very good at remembering the games, but that performance where he just... He, he basically decided we were going to draw that game that day. It was him, nothing else other than him. And uh, he was just better than everybody else. And when they, and it was interesting when he first joined, they, they almost didn't use him quite right. And then mm. it was almost like they suddenly realized that he was better than everybody else. And then just used to just, it was like, just give it to him. It was yeah. almost like park football. But yeah, yeah loved him. There's that brilliant story um, from how you read in that time, isn't there, where he talks about yeah. um, Palacios. Palacios's entire job was give the ball to Modric. He was like, whether he's a yard away, 50 metres away, you just get the ball and all you do is give it to Modric. I, I heard similar to that. I was just doing a, a podcast that Neil Warnock did ages ago last week and about when he had Adel Tarabat QPR and he used to fine his own team members if they passed to Tarab yeah. in their own half. And it was like, and he used to find Tarab if he'd come into his own off to defend. And he said he used to double the fine every time. So it'd be like, if you play it to him on the inter own box, that's 100 quid fine. If you do it again, it's two. Uh, and so on and so on. So basically, like, no one would ever pass to him until the final third. But I just imagine Redknapp doing similar with Palacios. Like, you must make 50 passes a game to Modric. Otherwise, we'll find you. Delhi. Oh, Chelsea. Yeah, the Chelsea away. What the two oh, away? Yeah, not Chelsea the two away. Chelsea away. Oh, chesting down. No, over the shoulder from Dyer when he's bringing it down and score. They're running just, at the crowd. Yeah, there's that picture, isn't there, of him like cupping his ear and all the crowd abusing him, and it's like, what an image. That he's lad again. that's that that lad that scored the second half goal against Crystal Palace, where mm. he basically took Payne's cross, flicked it over his head, and volleyed it into the yeah. bottom corner. Nobody that is capable of scoring that goal should be whatever 26, 27, finishing their career like he is. It just, it, I'd, I'd love, one day we're going to find out what the hell went wrong with that boy. Something went seriously, seriously wrong there, didn't it? He also scored a goal just as good as that away at Man United. Miles in the air and he brought it down to, and it was like, he, he was a scorer of great goals, wasn't he, Delhi? Yeah. Like, and if you, when if you think back and like the highlights reel that he'll have at the end of his career, people would look at him and think that he must be one of the greatest players of his generation to be able to do stuff like that. But the two, he scored one against Swansea from I think it was outside the box. Dembele had just been uprooted by some brutal tackles there with my dad, and because you know he had no power in those legs for shots, none. 
he, his, his strength was in his head, but somehow he curled it around from the, the left-hand side of the box. But then the other one is the, um, the aware Arsenal in the cup, in the League Cup, where it was Gazaniga to Kane. Kane, yeah. swivel, look up, dinked it over the top. Delhi just dinked it. Just First touch on it, just yeah. dink. Yeah, I've got great memories of that go- that yeah. game and that goal because I was in a pub with Stato and Jay. And we were, we'd <laughs> had a, quite a few drinks and it was packed full of Arsenal fans. We were the, I think we were the only Spurs fans in there. And when that second goal went in, we were just going absolutely mad. It was incredible. We were so well, I was so nervous when we realised we were in a pub packed with Arsenal and we're playing away at a ground that we never win at. And you're thinking this could be a long evening, but what a night that was. Jay was having a good time, wasn't he? That night. Oh my God, was he? He was opening the door and saying goodbye to them all as they left. I'm surprised <laughs> that no one punched him in the face. Well, didn't he put his head through someone's arm and go in like shitty pants, didn't you? Yeah, he kept doing. He, you know, he was like jumping on people's backs, saying all oh, your shitty pants. And it was like, mate, it was like. One add by your. It's he pulled the face. Unplayable at times. Unplayable. It was the, the salute the celebration. Salute. At, at Liverpool, didn't he? He, he owned the game against Liverpool, didn't he? He set up like three and then scored and slightly injured himself. I mean, I, I was at the game. I was at Tactics Tim's first game in, in interim charge. That? Away at Southampton it was. Oh, yeah. Um, and we won 3-2 and he brought Adebayor back into the team. Yes. And he played. So we went we went, we went, went 4-4-2. Of course we did. Tactics Tim. Um, and we played really, really well and won. And um, Nabil Bentaleb come off the bench in the first half because there was an injury. But I just remember Adebayor being in one of the, those moods where he was like, I'm going to boss this. Mm. And we played so well. I mean, I say we played well. Dawson got the ball and he clipped it 60 yards to Adebayor's chest probably about 30 times in the game. And that was how we <laughs> scored and created chances. But that game was just, that was proper old-fashioned centre-forward play. Like, he was fantastic. He had that in him, didn't he? When he had a good game, Adebayo, or you just thought coy, because he did have absolutely everything, but huge, we just didn't see huge, it enough. He? he was yeah. huge, so tall and powerful and quick and, you know, physically unplayable. And then mm. his close control was phenomenal. Didn't he score a great goal? I thought I saw him. He scored a great goal against United, didn't he, once, I think, for us. I can't remember, was it? can't remember, was it United? I remember him getting a good one at Chelsea. That's the one. Bent in from 25 yards. And he just oh, that's like, the one I'm thinking He dribbled, he dribbled yeah. quite slowly from like the halfway line with that's the ball it. and then just that's nonchalantly it. put it top corner. Didn't we draw? I think we drew that one. I yeah, we remember. did. God, this is 10 years ago now. It's literally, I'm just looking up Jesus. Um, Sigurdsson, was it in the second half? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, yeah, do. Um, all that stuff that came out after he sort of retired about him nicking footballs and leaving his family absolute madness um last one unless anyone's got any more off this uh rafael van der Vaart. oh is this one for me yeah yeah you might have to turn your camera off oh <laughs> <laughs> i mean that this guy he's one of my favorite ignoring the off the field stuff he's one of my favorite um spurs players because for me he's a spurs player you never quite know what you're going to get there's a touch of absolute class He's a match winner. He's also a defensive liability. He was just magical. I think it's the the two goals he scored against Villa in the same game. Oh, yeah. That was a proper, like, call. Cool, we've got a world-class player here. 
Um, but it's got to be that goal against Arsenal. I think that was in the three-three as well when he they'd scored really early. I think it was one-one after about seven minutes. It's in the three-two. He slotted the penalty in the three-two, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. The second but penalty. Th- yeah. This 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 goal was it was the home the three-three home game when we were three-one down. And he got the he got he made it one one. I think Walcott scored really early, and yeah. then he equalised on about eight minutes. It's the one where he just gets a yard right foot goes Chesney's near post and shushes the Arsenal fans. Like oh, that, that was just you know that that was like yeah this guy's for real. That was my favourite celebration I've ever seen, and it will never be beaten that because he he properly meant that shush. Tell you what I love about him as well is he loves Spurs. Like he, he's always coming back to Spurs. He always talks about Spurs. He talks about how Spurs was the the peak of his career. He, he was at eight Real Madrid. Um, do you remember there was a goal? Someone took a shot. I think it was Ledley King, and it came to him in the box, and he just he just took it and shot it straight in. I don't know. There was just something. Quite he had a great partnership with Kraut as well, didn't he? Yeah. It's like that is no pace in that front two. Do you know what I mean? You're getting absolutely nothing in behind with that, but they just he, struck up a great understanding. You don't need any, do you? Because like, if Crouch just stands there and gets the ball to Van der Bart. I mean, granted, you'd have Bale on one side and Aaron Lennon on the other. So, you know, <laughs> yes. you, you, there's a bit of pace there. But Oh, God, Bale yeah. would be, Bale's Conte's dream. Like, number Bale is number three. Conte's dream. Where do, you reckon he, where do you reckon he'd play Bale? Do you reckon he'd play him as a wing-back? Or do you reckon yes. he'd play him? Definitely. Do you? See, I don't think Perisic. he would. I think, I think he'd keep Perisic and he'd play Bale in the front three. I, I think he'd play him in the front three, yeah. And now, yeah, maybe. Oh, well, back in the day. I still think even back in the day. It's too attacking to have him at wing back. I'm amazed he's not played Kulisewski wing back. Yeah. I bet he's thought about it. I could do this. Basically, talk about players from about the periods where I was going every game and enjoying it. Oh, basically, I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say Sandro, basically, in that. <laughs> I, I didn't say it because I knew much you'd have a go at me. No, I would have gone that screen where he scored at Chelsea. Remember? He's got and Man United. Yeah, he scored the ba- two bang. great goals. That's it. The other thing I'd recommend everyone listen to this to do. We don't need to talk about them now because I'm easily ten years older than uh, than e- e- either of you two. But um, just uh, a, a topical one. But um, I was watching a YouTube. I was sat down with my nine year old uh, who's ten today actually watching a YouTube clip of Gary Lineker's eighty goals for Tottenham, oh. uh, 1990-92. What a player he was, that guy. And uh, so many goals with his head. I've forgotten how many goals he'd scored with his head. So we don't need to go over them now. But if you have two minutes, anyone in the next week, go on YouTube. It's easily find. You can easily find it and uh, enjoy Lineker uh, in his prime. He was mm. what, what a player. Well, he talks about it a lot on his podcast, and he? Just, he's always like, I was always in the box because you're more likely to score. So he's going to get headers there, isn't he? Yeah, just yeah. I don't know, loads of towering headers, high, good, you know, just quick, he, brilliant. But you know, yeah, he, he had Gaza, which helped. Yeah, he knew got, what yeah. he was as well, didn't he? Do you know what I mean? You know, like how frustrating it is when you watch players do stuff and you think you know I'm good at that. He knew that his strength was his movement and his finishing. So I'm yeah. just going to get in the box. I'm not yeah. going to try and build play and be a link up. I'm just going to get in the box. Yeah, he was good at it. I just had a mad flash. Didn't Van der Vaart when he scored that? goal against Inter didn't he go and hang, hang hug like a granny in the crowd <laughs> yes that? yeah vaguely yeah. and there was like a ball boy that was expecting the hug and looked a little bit yeah yeah 
I also anyway. remember back in the this was in the the infamous five four defeat to Arsenal. Nuruddin Nabet scoring in that game, and he ran into the crowd and kissed a, a granny <laughs> as well. And that was the only contribution that he did in the year we had him. He was absolutely shocking. But that weird. Maybe we should do a thing next week on weird celebrations. I mean, it's going to take a lot. It's really hard to research that sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm in. The worst one is Bafatimi Gomez. I hated yes. that one. The crawl. Yeah. <laughs> the, crawl. Yeah, yeah. the really yeah. weird tiger crawl. Really strange. Really hated that. Oh, God. Okay. All right. If we remember, which we won't, we'll, we'll do that. Um, <laughs> gents, thank you. Thank you for your time. Um, really good one. We're going to win on the weekend. It's- I haven't even talk, talked about the next game, have we? Uh, Southampton, yeah, I think we will. Yep. Good. I think so too. Uh, even though they just beat Liverpool. Um, anyway, thank you. Uh, don't forget, the future's bright. The future's Lily White. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football. And I always thought that football was a very important game. But I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy, and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.